What's up, everybody? Bailey and Harper, episode 79. We are officially about to graduate the hell out of the offensive lineman number of episodes. Roman Harper is so happy about that. He's pumping his fist. What's up, brother? I'm good, man. At least we're on the late 70s, not the early 70s, especially the 60s. It was pretty trashy. Um, but yes. You hate offensive linemen. Well, I hate interior offensive linemen. I just I think know. they're overrated. I mean, we talk about them way too much. We do. They take up way too much oxygen in the room. And now we'll never have to talk about them again. And we don't. We're still on tackles. 79 is a tackle number. Yeah. And that goes to my number 79. Who did especially, it? Oh, yeah. Eric Williams. Oh, Left that's tackle. Good. Okay. Dallas Cowboys, where you really knew him, where I grew up watching uh, John Madden draw and circle all the sweat. On all the butts of all the Carol, uh, the <laughs> Dallas Cowboy <laughs> offensive linemen, that is what drew me. Not the exact the sweat butt, but maybe that's kind of my, maybe that's why I like sweaty butts now. I don't know. But anyways, not all. I mean, with like tights. sweaty lady butts. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the, the yoga pants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad. No, no, no. I no, don't no. know why. Maybe that's what it is. I know why. <laughs> okay, so Eric Williams. All right. He was, uh, you know, I did not know he went to Central State, which is in Wilberforce, Ohio. So glad you Division said that. Division two. I never knew. Did that. you look up where Central State was? Because I could. Yeah, I did. I, okay, I, did. I, I would have I never to, known where Central I did, State I was. was. Like, I saw he went to school there. He's a third round pick, and I was like, "How is he a third round pick? This dude was a monster for like, like was the best offensive lineman in the NFL at times, and it was because he went to." Central State in Wilberforce, Ohio, which is a Division II school. I had no idea about that. Clearly, he was a late bloomer. He's a humongous person, 6'6", 3'11". He was a three-time Super Bowl champion, three-time first-teamer, uh, four-time pro bowler. When the dude was healthy, he completely dominated, was the best offensive lineman on the one of the greatest offensive linemen line of all time. So there it is, mine, number 79, Eric Williams. All right, so your, yours was fantastic. I think you're going to appreciate mine, though. <laughs> okay. um, not Mike Golick, not Mike Golick Jr. We're going Bob Golick. <laughs> Bob Golick. From Saved by the Bell, the college years. Oh. Yes, sir. Remember the that, the, the well, art? Yeah, he had the guy. longer hair. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Bob Golick, 79, <laughs> absolutely. Played at Notre Dame and played, I think, with the Browns and the Raiders. Let me pull everything. He, he was not a great football player, but uh, I mean, he wasn't a great actor either. But he was pretty good at both. We'll put it that way. Patriots, Browns, Raiders. Um, I kid. He played at Notre Dame, so obviously he could ball. But uh, I just as soon as I saw his name. I was like, holy shit, saved by the bell of college years. That's it. Bob Golick, number 79, and we are officially the hell out of the offensive line numbers with that. We also have a buddy of mine in, in uh, the studio today, the studio, you're, you're the man cave here, uh, Derek Nallen, who is a, uh, just on a rocket ship to the moon as a stand-up comedian, as a podcaster, the Steak and Sauce podcast. He's part of it. He's the face of it, but like... One of his other guys, Antonio Claybon. Shout out to Antonio. <laughs> yes, sir. One of our other childhood uh, very good friends. But, uh, Big Derek Nallen, it's good to have you, buddy. Thank you all. Uh, Roman and Kyle, appreciate you all having me. Uh, this is a blessing to be here today. Uh, I've been smiling since I got here. So You really have. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. really have. Yeah, yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this for sure. Yeah, yes. Yeah. We, we grew up together. We haven't been able to see each other much for the last several years, but we stay in contact, obviously. Um, man, you – I appreciate you driving in, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was yeah, like man. two hours, two and a half hours in to do this, so we appreciate you doing it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're doing a podcast. You're doing stand Let me start with the stand-up because I got to know. Yeah. That takes balls, first of all. <laughs> uh, and I mean it. Like, stand-up comedian, that takes – but you either got to be fucking crazy, like there's got to be something wrong with you, or you got to have a lot of balls. Sometimes both. Um, my does, wife wants to do stand up. Does she? Re that I think shock she me. checks the first box. That doesn't shock me at all. <laughs> that doesn't shock me at all. Um, 
I mean that. She wants to be a writer. Like, she wants to be an entertainer. That's amazing. Like That's amazing. So, when did you just wake up one day and was like, I'm going to do – because you finished second out of, what, 32 comics in a, in a recent competition up in Tennessee? Yes, sir. At the uh, – shout out to Sean at the uh, uh, Blue Ridge Comedy Club. Okay. Uh, there are some great people there. I've had the opportunity to get plugged in with some phenomenal comedians with open arms, and they've been able to get me in touch with the right people. A couple weeks ago, we had a uh, comedy knockout. Uh, 32 comedians from around the area, surrounding areas, and, you know, just like a bracket, just like, you know, the brackets that everybody just got destroyed on recently, <laughs> a few months ago. So um, I really went into it, and I've been t I was telling myself before the competition started, Derek, you're going to win this. And I, I just told myself that. I said I was prepared to win. The final round came down to me and another guy. He's great. He's amazing. It was an 8% vote difference for first and second place oh, for wow. the entire room. So it was close. Yeah. Uh, shouts out to everybody that was there. Um, I was just thankful. Yeah. I got a question, Derek. So yes. how does this competition go? Do you get like three minutes on, five minutes? Like, because you don't want to repeat the same set. So like, how does it go back and forth as you continue to level up or move on and punch your tickets? And was any, which round was probably the hardest? Because sometimes you got a, a harder round earlier. Yes. <laughs> then you do later. You're like, the next dudes I'll do, I crushed yeah. that one. Um, that's a good question. The rounds are one-minute rounds. Oh, okay. So the hardest thing to do is to tailor your material from a five-minute joke yeah. to a one-minute joke because laughs per minute <laughs> is an actual uh, sizable category, right? So you know you have to come out swinging. No doubt. So it's not a thing to where, hey, man, I'm going to hold this until round three. You might not make it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I didn't – I front-loaded everything. You yeah, know, I came out sure. just – Unloaded the mags on everything. Guns blazing. Yeah, guns blazing because <laughs> there are some real hitters up there. Mm -hmm. And you don't know who you're going to team up with. You know, each round is restructured as we gain a round. So I, I would go for one minute. My competitor would go for one minute. The crowd would then vote on an app on their phone, which would – give them the opportunity to place or cast their vote for who they thought should go to the next round. And so well, you that, don't even know. So, so I, I like yeah, that, actually, yeah, that the yeah, fact yeah. that you're not raising hands. I had no idea it was that interactive. I yes, didn't either. Very interactive. I never, no I've never even heard of one of these. That's before. legit. <laughs> yeah. no, you, you were in what, Johnson City? I was in um, Bristol, Tennessee. Okay, you're Bristol. Shout out to Bristol. I didn't know it was that nice. I love that little Bristol's city. It's popping now, bro. It's popping. Yeah. Uh, it's, in Bristol, outside of Knoxville? Uh, no, it's on the, it straddles the Virginia-Tennessee line. So you got uh, Bristol, Virginia, Bristol, Tennessee. The racetrack's on the Tennessee side. The uh, baseball field on the Tennessee side. That's why I know Bristol, Tennessee. Okay. Yep. Uh, yep. You know our boy Corey Miller, right? The, yep. the pastor of pain. He went up there for the first time. It was right before me and him went to London uh, back in 2019. And uh, he, he had never been there. He came back raving about it. He's a South Carolina boy, but he was like, man, bunch of Bristol tennis. And he was doing the accent and everything when he came back. <laughs> yeah. It was hilarious. But anyway, Bristol is popping these days. Bristol's popping. Um, as soon as we got out the car, I walk on the main street. It's two guys squaring up with each other. I mean, they're trading blows, going from the shoulders. And I just casually walk by them. <laughs> And I just, I, you know, just, just stay in your lane. Just pay attention to what you got going oh, on. Oh, you mean yeah. like, like joking on each other? No, they were fist fighting. Oh, they were fighting. Oh, yeah, wow. well, that's what okay. I call going from the shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> so they were going from the shoulders. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, oh man, they just shooting jokes on the sidewalk. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Warming up. You're like, no, no, no I'm no, sorry. No. I should, I should no. clarify yeah, yeah. that for the haymakers. Yeah, trading them, trading them. <laughs> they are trading them. I'm talking about trading. And I look up, and these are two big guys. I mean, they are going at it. <laughs> And me and my buddy were like, yeah, we're just going to go to the left a little bit. And we didn't even pay attention. I mean, they are going at it. 
And I was like, you know what? That's Bristol for you. We're here, you know? Oh, dude. But uh, that competition, Kyle's very interactive. I love the room. Probably 90 to 100 people that were in there. What's the name of the place? Uh, it's called the Blue Ridge Comedy Club. Okay, I want to look this up online right yes. now. Yes, and really uh, shout out to my buddy Sean. Him and his wife, they own it. And uh, they've been so supportive of my journey. Um, to back up just a little bit, I started this journey maybe a year ago. Oh, wow. I was in South Carolina. My sister took me to a brewery. Shout out to Morgan. She said, you're going to get up. Yeah, shout out Morgan. She said, you're going to get up tonight and you're going to get on stage. I said, no, I'm not. She said, you have enough material. I know you do. You're getting up there. She signed me up. So I was fifth on the list of like 15 people. When they called my name, I didn't get up. So is this an open mic concept? Open mic concept. And this is your okay. first time? First time ever. When was this again? One year ago. Damn. Right? At Bristol? Uh, this you know, was in South Carolina. Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina, South Carolina right? Yeah. And uh, I forget the name of the brewery. Please forgive me. I'll find it. We don't uh, give a damn. We don't give <laughs> Nobody. We don't give a damn. No, 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 that was the best place to do it because nobody knew you. Nobody knew you. And that's what she said. She said, yes. Derek, it's safe. Win, lose, or draw. Safe. You're safe, right? So I got my material together. Long story short, they called my name. Next we have up Derek Nowen. I didn't move. Couldn't stand. No legs, no knees, nothing. My sister punched me in the arm. Go. <laughs> of course she did. So I get up, I go up there. Everyone said that that was their favorite performance that I've done yet, right? I was nervous, but you couldn't tell, right? The lights were so bright, I couldn't see past the third row. So there were some beautiful women in the front row. Obviously, most men would cater to that. Mm -hmm. Me? Nah, I went at their neck. You know what I'm saying? I told them, I said, look, skinny women don't bathe right. <laughs> you know, they don't. Skinny women don't bathe right. I got to hear this. One. You know what I'm saying? They don't bathe. Let me tell you why. If you're a plus-size woman, you're going to be taking two to three showers a day in the summertime, right? to make sure you stay fresh. Mm -hmm. A skinny woman thinks, I don't have a lot of body, I can skip a day. They don't wear deodorant. They do all these little hodgepodge, like hippie things for soap and all this kind of stuff. I'm telling you, skinny girls skip showers. You know what, he's right about that. They do, uh, they, they go on like they use natural soap Yes. Natural deodorant. Essential <laughs> oils. And that shit will have you naturally funky. Yeah, naturally funky. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And they think that like, it's environmental, it's natural, it's better for you. No, you stink. You stink. You're up here rubbing, <laughs> you've been rubbing peppermint oil on your neck for five days and ain't bathed. Get you some dial soap and get under that hot water. That's what you need to do. <laughs> so you go up there the first night. Was it like the you intoxicating? You were hooked? Like was it a did you black out? What'd you do? So hold on, I got also want to know this is like yes sir. So you've always just been a guy of jokes. Oh um, no, I want to answer that. Okay, I'm I'm like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say. Nah. I want somebody else to say what. This they was think. the funniest motherfucker in the room everywhere we went. <laughs> we okay, pissed, yeah. right. So he's yeah. always growing up. He's just always <laughs> absolutely, has, and he can just shoot from the the funniest moments of my life. A lot of them were with him. <laughs> yeah, okay, some yeah. of them like were <laughs> like unintentionally funny. Like one night we were running from the cops. Yeah, and I didn't have shoes on, and he did, and we were running. Uh, we skipped off the grass into the parking lot. Yeah, I hit a rock barefooted yeah you land on a rock barefoot your foot's giving out right i yeah. ate shit road rash on the side of my face crazy he's laughing hysterically as he continues <laughs> yeah, to run and I, yeah. can, I can hear him howling <laughs> yeah. all the way to the fucking apartment screaming and it wasn't a joke it wasn't right. anything he did but to this day that thing when i think about that yeah. it hurt like shit but hearing him howl for the next hundred yards <laughs> made it a little better yeah. made it a little better oh dude it oh, was just yeah, yeah absolutely so yes yeah. he was the funniest person in the room just about everywhere we went okay. i appreciate that yeah. Kyle. um <laughs> yeah i when I got off stage, it was a blur. The 10 minutes went by so fast. 
I got off stage. People were congratulating me. They're like, hey, when are you coming back? You from this area? I said, I'm not from this area, but if you guys will have me back, I'll come back. If my sister had not got me on that stage, I would have not had the motivation to start this career. Hmm. So right after that, I started writing. I pull motivation from anywhere, you know. Um, yeah. Most of the stuff between rounds uh, comes up off the top of my head because I'll see something in the crowd, you know, or somebody will say something a previous round, and I'll wind up, you know, using that for the next round. And uh, I'm a storyteller, so majority of my content comes from my family, things that have happened. Oh, yeah. You know, all yeah. those things. So, I mean, I, it, it, literally, you can spend 10 minutes around my family, you'll have five minutes of material. Yeah, you know, so no, yeah. that's true. And I want to be clear. I want to clarify something so that yeah. nobody thinks you and I were outlaws growing up. Right. A party got broken up a on party, a party. Yes, yes, yes. We were running from the fans. We were running from local PD local breaking PD. up a college party. They were out of shape. Their gun belts are sagging. <laughs> yeah, this is the type of people we were running from. Yeah, yeah. We were running from the FBI. We weren't running from the fans. We yeah, need our yeah. moms catching, catching flack for, uh, yeah. for us being outlaws when we were kids. For sure. So you do this performance, like, you, you, you get it off your chest, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot you've got to do after that, but you've, like, broken the seal at this point. You yep. talk about your family. You were talking about that, though. You used a lot of that material. How much of, how much of, of your time in the Army do you use? Because you've told some really funny stories in the past about that stuff, and it's like your yeah. deployments and things like that. But like, how much of that makes its way into your material? Actually, uh, the front-loaded part of some of my, I call them cards. What I've done is I've chunked up cards so I can pick which material I want to run for the night. Okay. So one card will have 15 minutes of jokes on it. The next card will have 20 minutes of jokes on it. That helps me figure out what I want to run for that night. So my military career has provided me an abundance oh, yeah. of jokes and amount. So the one I like running right now is now that I am in this comedy world, I'm getting to meet new people and I'm getting to see people me and you went to school with. The very first thing they want to ask me, they mm -hmm. look me up from head to toe and they say, Derek, are you still in the army? I lift my shirt up and show them my gut. I don't care where we're at. I don't care. I don't care where we're at. We can be in the middle of Kroger. If you ask me if I'm still in the military, I'm lifting up my shirt. I'm gonna show you my gut, and then I'm gonna ask you, does it look like? Does it look like our United States military would allow somebody that looks like me to serve? <laughs> so that's one of the jokes I use uh, to open up with the crowd. Okay, yeah. I like that one. Yeah. I like that one. Well, now, for those, this is not a visual show. So right. My man Derek here is a little bit round. Right, okay, right. You know I mean, he's. I would not assume that he is military grade. Right. At the moment, soldier. At the moment. Yeah, I, I can show you some pictures. But when you see him, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I this, used to be a tough guy. Yeah, this right. this man was universal soldier status when he left. Right. Um. Right. I, yeah. We used to work out the Christiansburg. Do they have you, have you seen the inside of the rec center lately? I've not been in there in probably four years. Uh, you okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Because uh, every once in a while, I would get somebody passing through because I was very proud of the fact that for a long time, my name was on the bench press board in there. So every what? once in a while, well, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was smashing records or anything, but I was in like <laughs> he the, got three, up there. I was he in was the 375 there. club for a while. Oh, that's big. That's what I'm saying. That's big. So, you know, yeah, that's big. So a lot what, of pressure. Yeah. So I was like, I was on the board. So I, occasionally, I'd get like friends that were working out in there. They'd be like, hey, like I saw you on the board, or is this you, or something like that. Like five people that would text me that. <laughs> so I would love getting those texts because, you know, I'd, feel, I'd, I'd get the you know, little ego shot back in first second then i realized i can't do that anymore so yeah no it's um we had a lot of the, how much of those stories 
do you use in the car? Because, I mean, I've seen yeah. your videos. Right. I've tuned into the podcast. But, like, sometimes you're talking about UFOs and, you know, Tonio's on to something. I think one just landed in Las Vegas. Oh, we'll get to that. We're going yeah. we're, we're <laughs> to get to that. I'm telling you right now. But, like, yeah. childhood stuff. How, childhood much, stuff. how much of um, that do you use? I use a lot of that. Um, for people that know my mom or know my parents, they know the type of parenting style they had. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I was scared of my dad. But I feared my mom, you know, so my mom was a disciplinary of the family. Mm -hmm. So I use so many of those stories about how my mom would beat us if we got hurt outside. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Is that just in our community that that happens or is that? I, I know that's definitely. Um, uh, is that a. You're going to hear, you're gonna hear more. You're going to hear more amens and stuff from Amen. the black side of right, the crowd. Right, yeah. To that, because they can all attest to that. I mean, yeah. You get hurt outside, Mom, you get beat for getting hurt. It's bad, because I <laughs> even, I, I've even gone to where now I tell my kids, I'm like, oh, like, okay, you want to get up there, you better not fall. Right. Because you fall. I'll be bad. I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be mad. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of that I get, and I implement that into my. Um, comedy and and the stories of childhood and just you know all those things that i try to pull i want to paint a picture for people oh yeah so when i'm on stage and i'm telling you this i want you to see what i'm talking about it's the same thing i do right in, in broad I mean, it's the same thing i do right. in a different way like that's our job right because you get to stand in front of them and tell a story yes but they can't see it. like they can't see me when i'm talking to them every day for three hours on the air right but, and, and they can see you but they can't see what you're talking about no. so you got to paint the picture got to paint the picture and, and yeah. i completely understand that but it's one of the best parts of the job right it, you know, because they're so they are similar in certain ways. When you're telling a story, when you're painting a picture, when you're trying to take somebody somewhere, and they get it, they grasp it, they hear it, like they, they you actually have a, have accomplished it. That connection they don't last long because you're right. on to the next story, the next yep. joke, or whatever else. Yep. But when it hits, it's pretty awesome. It's there's, pretty there's awesome. Not a great. There's not a better feeling than that when yeah. you're telling stories for a living. Yeah, it is amazing when you see guys that are taking a big gulp of a beer. And you land your punchline, mm -hmm. and they spit it all over the woman in front of them, <laughs> or they're laughing so hard they're like, "Stop, please stop!" You know. Yeah. And what I love the most is crowd interaction. So I love to get in the crowd involved in some of my jokes, asking for someone to come up on stage and demonstrate something. Right. Mm -hmm. um, asking somebody. Uh, there was a lot of women in the last show that I did, and so mm -hmm. I was asking them, you know, are you here with your significant other? Sure. Are you here with someone else's? Significant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. missed that. You know, so yeah, nobody's yeah. gonna raise their hand. You know, and I said, you know, don't let that be an awkward car ride home for you. I'm yeah. just, I'm just, I just want to find out what's going on. So, having the crowd feel like they're a part of the show really opens it up to people, and they feel good, and they feel like you know, because I want them to be entertained. They paid to be there. They're supporting us. I oh, want yeah. you to have a good time. So, I want to know your demographic. What is your like? Key demographic that you know, like you, like with me, it's yep. like old women. Okay, like how, that's how? my demographic. What do you on, mean on TV? Like on, like when I'm doing my old women love me, Kyle. It's all the gray it's hair. It's the gray, yeah. yeah it's the yeah. gray hair. It's, it's the, the distinguished, distinguished look. Yeah. Yeah. Silver I'm like where the yeah. I'm like Silver wearing these nice suits. Old women like love me. Oh, I bet they do. Yeah. So that's you, my, you, but I know my. You've seen the research. You've seen I've, the data, right? I've yes. seen it because like, they they can give it to you on like a granular level at yeah, ESPN. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense <laughs> yeah. in the world. That makes so much sense in the world. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your demographic? Well, the majority of the rooms that I perform in, there are very few people that look like me. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, now, I know where you're going with that. Now. Not necessarily that's a demographic, but that was something that I had to be ready for because when I walk in a room and it's 80 people in there and it's like the record skips, 
right? You're oh, like, yeah. oh man, are my jokes going to go over well with these people? Mm. Come to find out, they do. Yeah. Because as soon as I get up there, I'll tell them, hey, I was standing by the door earlier as y'all were coming in. I didn't appreciate y'all holding y'all's hands out and showing me your IDs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll, I'll knock them straight out. You know, and once you once you make them comfortable, once, once you have them, oh, I'm telling you, that demographic is probably anywhere from 25 to 40 years old. And the people that give us the most compliments are the people anywhere from 65 to 70. Because I feel like the raunchier you are oh, yeah. for that group, they appreciate it so much. They're at that. Their kids are grown. They don't give a fuck. They're, they they're don't like, care. They, all their inhibitions are gone. Like they don't care what other people think. They they what's funny is funny, and yes. they laugh at it. They laugh at when it. When you find those people, they're the funniest people to hang out they around. They are. They really are. And one lady, I said, uh, I said a joke, and I said, "Ma'am, I know you have some." Uh, I don't think I said high quality. I might have said high quality something on you. Mm-hmm. She said, "No, sweetheart, I have expensive." Oh, okay. Yeah, and I said, okay. So, speaking of that, have y'all seen, because he's coming to Charlotte soon. Do you know who Matt Reif is? The yes. comedian Matt Reif? Do yes. you know who he is, Roman? Mm-mm. You got to watch him. So, like, all of a sudden, and I think a lot of people had the same experience. This is the last maybe month, two months for me. Yep. Matt Reif starts popping up in everybody's feeds, right? Everywhere. Everywhere. And he's been at it for a while now, but he's a young white guy. And I Maybe he's been in my – I just didn't know. Well, yeah. you probably have. But it, but I have – and I'll play him for you. Look up Matt Reif, and I bet you while, right while I'm talking about this. Yeah. But I don't think – and maybe you agree with this. I don't think I've ever seen anybody work a crowd better in terms of just back and forth, impromptu – um, you know, just really improvising and being funny as shit along the way. And not just being funny, absolutely obliterating the audience while he's doing it. Like, he will be ruthless to some of these people. And he'll bring it back to where they love him at the end. Right. But it's just boom, 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 back and forth, serve and volley. But it's fast as shit, and he just cuts them. It's like a thousand paper cuts while he's I have doing seen it. It's hilarious. You have yeah, seen him. I've seen him. I think he's amazing. A lot of people might get mad at me for this because I'm in the, the comedy world now. Sure. But I'm telling you uh, – his personality, how quick he thinks on his feet. Uh-huh. You would think he's got all that mapped out before he goes Correct. out there, right? That's what's so because impressive. Because that's the way it seems. That's what's so impressive. Yes. Um, I was told that he performed, and Sean, you can correct me on this. I was told he performed at the Blue Ridge Comedy Club a couple years ago. Really? That's what I heard. Now, I'm not sure if he made his way through that circuit, but the man is very talented. Sure. I'd like to see him. I think he's catching a lot of flack because – People feel that he has not put the time in to be at the level that he's at. But I'm like, hang on. Yeah. You wouldn't say that to an all-star running back if he just showed up at your school. No. If the boy can run, he can run. Yeah. So him promoting himself to do that many tour dates, yeah. I think it's got up under the skin. Nobody should give a shit about that I stuff. don't think so. Look, and the thing I is, like, you know, I, I, there is something about paying your dues, right? There yes. is an element of that. Especially, you went through NFL locker rooms, right? I mean, there's something about, in certain ways. Respect is earned. Never right, absolutely. Life. But, like, you, t- talent's undeniable. Like, you can't – you don't suppress talent just because they haven't been around as many years as you think they should be. Like, that guy, he popped up out of nowhere. And I'm just like, okay, there are dudes that maybe have made me laugh harder, right. but I've never seen a guy work a crowd the way that Matt Well, Wright I feel like – uh, the, what the video that I saw of him on Instagram was that he was just calling out people in the crowd, like yes. every single one of them. Like, oh man, he was like, oh well. I mean, I've never heard a dude be that unsure of a relationship that he's here with. That answer was like, you know, yeah, yeah. like so things like, and when you're able to push the envelope or what you're saying, like calling out the crowd or what yeah. you're saying, Derek, like be like bring the crowd into your whole show. It does feel 
a little bit more intimate. It makes this crowd feel a little bit more special because, man, I know he has certain jokes, but the fact that he just starts busting on this one out of nowhere, it really shows like, oh, he's actually a good, he's a, actually a funny person. It shows your comedic talent Very. more often or the, the ability to be able to just come off the top of the dome. And like, because mo- all these comedians are funny. Oh, but yeah. some of them are more materialistic driven versus like maybe some people are just naturally just funny just off the dome. So right. uh, I think his mannerisms play a big deal too because mm-hmm. he'll drop a line and just oh, stare yeah. at people. Yes. That gets people going so much because they feel like he's judging them. Mm. You know, uh, Shamar Moore. Yes. Did you see that? Yes. So the actor Shamar Moore was in the crowd. His hat was low and Matt couldn't tell that it was Shamar. Uh-huh. So Shamar was heckling him heavy. You know, you and uh, you ain't no black man, this and that. And he was like, I know that's a black man. I can tell by the laugh. You know, (laughs) Shamar Moore comes out of his seat up to the stage. Matt is totally blown away. Shamar gives him his flowers right there on stage. He said, look, I don't care what nobody says. You're talented. I love you. Keep doing your thing, man. So I thought that was phenomenal. Oh, wow. Okay. And he's also he's not a big dude either. Uh, no, no, I mean, he's kind of cut, but I don't, I don't think he'd be that big in person. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, probably, like, height-wise. He, um, no, doesn't seem like it. No, he doesn't seem like it. But, like, no, no. he commands a stage. He does. Un- unlike anybody that I've – I mean, there, there's been some great ones to do it. And speaking of, it was funny because he's offensive, like, it, to yeah. a lot of people. Yes. Now, but it depends on what your taste is, your, what how your do you, threshold how is. Do you, that's the thing I'm worried about, Kyle. I, I know. It's like I, I'm going being there. offensive – as a comedian. When, when I say he's offensive, I mean that there's a lot of soft, fragile individuals okay, out okay. there who can't take his comedy. Who go to his show. Right. right. And it's <laughs> like, why, why are you walking into that if you're just going to get your feelings hurt? Because he's there to hurt your feelings. He's going to find you. Yeah. yeah. You can't hide from that <laughs> yeah, man. No, no, and especially no. not in a small venue. Right? No, no. But there are some people who just can't take it. And I don't know, like, I hate to I joke about this all the time, but I don't know if I'm joking half the time. Like, we're not spring chickens anymore. Like, we're not young pups anymore. But we're not old either. Like, we're in our 30s, you know, late 30s or whatever it is. And like I, I grew up on Chappelle. You yes. grew up on Chappelle. Yes. Like I loved. I was, but we were still watching reruns of George Carlin. Yeah. Right. We watched Eddie Murphy. Yes. We we watched these guys who they were there to just slice you and dice you, but the whole crowd got it, and everybody understood that's what you were there for. And now some dudes, like obviously not Matt Rife, but they're scared to tell those jokes. Um, there are guys in my business who stay away from having a good time and telling jokes because they're so concerned about it. I can give you a recent example. I had some dude send me a fucking novel two days ago about jokes he didn't like on my show the last couple of days. And he was like, remember when you said that you know emo, the emo era wasn't a great run for masculinity? I didn't like that very much. I think you can be a man and still listen to emo. And I'm like, quite frankly, I don't give a fuck. Like, I, it was a joke, and it was funny to me. I mean, and it was funny to a lot of people. It was. And now you're here, my DM's complaining about it, Pacific Northwest, yes. But outside of that, like, who really listen to grunge music like that well i'm talking about like straight up emo like fallout boy and uh, panic at the disco like the t- like the skinny jeans and panic at fucking jet black swoop hair era. It was like there was all slinging like this and whining about shit with women like it was it wasn't my scene right, right. And i don't hate anybody who listened to emo i made a joke about emo dudes being pussies and i don't some even guy, know, i don't even know what emo music is until i'm out of the loop completely you know like um What's that song? But is anybody, um, have you offended anybody with a joke like that? Has anybody told you? That stuff? I, you know, I have offended people. Okay. And um, do you take pride in that? Well, somewhat. Because the way he said it, Kyle. The way he said it. I tell people as soon as I get up there, the, the, the first 20 seconds I'm on the mic, I say, hello, how are y'all doing? Give it up for yourselves. I say, I'm probably going to say something that's going to offend people in here tonight. The best thing you can do is stay in your seat. Because if you come up here, that's on you. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta forget, deal I with you. That's the thing. You know, and they love <laughs> it. When you tell people you beat their ass, the they thing, love yeah. it. Oh yeah, they love it. They eat it up. So I don't know where I was at in what city, but I had I, I try to stay away from uh, like pronoun jokes, religious jokes. Uh, I made a religious joke uh, about me and Antonio uh, when we were younger. We wouldn't watch adult movies on Sundays. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We leave Sundays out the way. And I said, you know, I, I, I grew up and I learned that God doesn't care if you do it at 11.59 or at 5 o'clock Monday morning. <laughs> he don't want you doing it at all, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody didn't like that. Really? So they approached me at the end of the show. They said, I don't think you should have uh, God and what you were talking about in the same sentence. I was like, well, they talk about it in the Bible that we shouldn't do that. Sure. So why can't I talk about it? Well, right. Know? And the thing about it is, like you said, with what the pronoun the jokes, too. Th- well, with that, you just you, you get people who are so irrationally emotional about it yeah. that they'll cause a scene for no reason. Right. And so they can't take the jokes. and you got Yeah, it's a so whole I thing. Said, I, I get it. I told her, I said, you didn't mind me talking about how women don't bathe. Right. You didn't mind me talking about smelling seats at the gym. That was okay. People do that. Well, I, I made a joke that I do oh. it, and I got kicked out of it. But I don't. I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I really don't. Like that's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a bit that I have, but I, I really don't do that. Okay. But I told her, I said, you're not offended by any of this other ridiculous stuff that I've said tonight. But for some reason, that pinged high on your radar, and I was like, and you paid to come here to be offended. I was like, I didn't try to do that. I thought it was funny. That's the only time somebody's approached me. But one of my buddies got removed off stage because he wasn't told it was a family-friendly environment. So the first 90 seconds, he drops a few words. They cut his time short. Really? Had him get off stage. We did not know that that venue was that selected. Well, that's we, on the club owner. That's on the club. They didn't tell us that. Yeah. You know? Now, I've done clean comedy shows as well. And those are cool. Those are cool. I enjoy them. I don't have as much material, Brilliant. but yeah. I do enjoy it. Yeah. So people... I don't know why. There's another guy, and uh, he's on TikTok. Heavy set black guy, does amazing crowd work. Have you seen him? That's all he does. Um, and he goes down the line each person, and he creates a story for them and how they know these people. And I mean, it's amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. It's amazing. And I don't know how people do that, but I don't know in 2023 why we are still kind of so selective about what we say. When how much stuff is going on in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. The way you get over stuff is to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Make a joke about it. Yeah. The one time I feel free in my life, because Kyle knows me, I'm pretty outspoken, but most of the time I'll kind of tone it down. When I'm on stage, that's the freest I've ever felt. Yeah. Because I, I don't have to worry about my family judging me. Uh, I don't have to worry about friends or anything like that. I can literally get up there and say what I want to say. So I appreciate it. That is freeing, though. It's very, no, it is. It, it is, is freeing. I, I kind of like you guys' platform here. Well, yes, but like... I, no, this is exactly what... I, I like that that lead-in right there because I just don't understand how we're just going to skip over smelling seats in a weight room because <laughs> I, I'm totally enthralled by that. I've seen, like, sweat marks oh. and stuff. <laughs> now, it depends on who it came from. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, I've seen, like, a sweat mark, and I've already admitted to my, uh, you know, my thing. Yeah. From, uh, but... It's very interesting uh, that you were able to make this into a comedy bit. I actually I think this is hilarious. I just see Derek walking And, like, over. how do people yeah. – Yeah. I wonder, like, what it's like. I would love for us, if anybody listens, if they can write in, we'll figure it out. But, man, 
Just share a story. Sniff the booty yeah. sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, hey. did anybody sniff? Who did it? Who, who did, did it? it? Who Somebody's done it. Who done it? Who done it? Well, I want to know. I've already thinking about a plan to do it. You grab some light dumbbells and you walk over. You just go do some butterflies, right? Just lay down real quick. All, all just all casual, like just lay down. Yeah, just lay, just do some light butterflies, right? That's all you got to do. Just get that back loose. You know, just get it loose. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> If my woman, I'm not in a relationship right now, but if she came home and tried to get in the shower, I would be highly upset. You done worked all day. Take a lap around the house while you're at it, and then come back in. <laughs> you know, don't what I mean? you don't you dare go get in that shower. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're telling me you're gonna wash all that away? Oh, yeah, that, that, hard then, work. that hard work, my brother. <laughs> and then listen, this is a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. People don't realize this. There's a whole category for this. So when people look at me strange, I'm like, you just don't know. I call it the seasoning. Okay? Yes, sir. You ever ate food that ain't seasoned? I don't like it. Don't like it. Don't want it. I don't want it. So the reason I made up that joke is because I said, you know, hey, I'm trying to get my life together. We need to lose some weight. I talked to my doctor. I said, within two weeks of getting my daggone contract signed at any time, I'm banned for life. And I said, you know, my lawyer's reviewing everything. I said, we're looking into it deep. Apparently, they got me on camera sniffing seats, you know, when the women are done working out. And that's frowned upon. I was like, but we looked over the contract. It ain't in there. It ain't nowhere in there that says that I can't do that, you know. So for everybody that does, that is a big gym rat in the room when I say that, oh, you know, whatever. But it is funny because uh, I always say if you're a woman and you, uh, oh, am I saying too much? No. Okay, if you're a woman and you come over to my house, and you happen to leave your garments on the floor, if I see them, I'm kicking them up under the bed. <laughs> and you're going to be like, where's my stuff? I'll help you look for it. Yeah. He's a collector. Yeah, I'm a collector. <laughs> That's going in a Ziploc bag. Okay? I'm telling you right now. I'll help uh, you look for your stuff knowing where it's at. Shit, dude. That's seasoning, but that's so true, man. That's seasoning. Because my, I tell you know, so like women all the time. I ain't showered yet. Don't nobody care. Don't nobody care. What the fuck are you talking what about? What are you talking I had, about? I, right I hadn't showered since yesterday morning. And do I look like I'm bothered by that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the one that came and requested some service. <laughs> <laughs> all true statements. All true yeah. statements. All true statements. All true statements. I, I just, I'm just. You know, I love the fact that uh, you're right. I don't think that's in the bylaws of any contract that you ever signed with a gym. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. That's maybe maybe someone get offended, <laughs> but I haven't seen it in there. Team. I didn't initial beside that. Yeah. <laughs> so who is your so who who is your favorite comic right now? Um, or of all you know of all time. Let's of go. All time? Who's your favorite comic of all time? I probably have two. Uh, one and and a lot of people might not understand this, but this guy is so funny, Mike Epps. Mike. Okay. Yeah. He's just got this. Mm-hmm. this talent about him and he's been doing it so long and i just feel like his mannerisms the way he relates to people and he's really and he's a car guy right that, okay that makes he's sense a, he's a car guy but let me got, ask you this though yeah. because i love mike epps i think mike epps I, i've seen early mike epps stand up that i thought was amazing yeah i thought mike epps in the movies his comedic timing is fantastic oh, God. but the last stand-up i watched to him yeah. it didn't seem like mike epps okay i hadn't seen that one. The, the most i think the most recent one he did because he's from indianapolis he right. did it in indiana was it, yeah, because that's his hometown, right? Okay. And so I watched it, and it just didn't seem like Mike Epps. Did you watch it? I did. What did you think? I, I didn't think it was his best material. Yeah. Oh, well, it, well, not even like his best material. It was like, it just wasn't as funny. Like, some of the things he was talking about, I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was It's like he, funny. there was no setup. He was just going straight for the one-liners right, right, right. over and over again. And I was right. like, this is, this is not the Mike Epps you know, of 20 years. And everybody changes, but it's like, this isn't Friday Mike Epps. Like, this I, is, I, yeah. That's not I don't the same even care, I, the I know, yet. and look, he's built such a runway with me, like, I don't even care. Like, right. I'm still going to watch yes. whatever. Like, it's like if all of a sudden Chris Rock had a 
wasn't funny to me one show. Like, I'm still going to watch Chris Rock. Absolutely. You know right. what I mean? Because, like, he's built up such a rapport, like, okay, I, I don't really care. No, like, there aren't many people that have made me laugh harder in comedy movies than Mike Epps. Like, yes. I, I'm not off the Mike Epps boat. I just thought and, this one was a little bit. All funny. about the Benjamins. <laughs> Man, all about the Benjamins awesome. Golly. Uh, yeah. Such a great one. And, and yeah. it's just um, – and maybe we also – Sometimes people in movies are funnier than they are stand-ups. Like, I don't think Mike Epps has ever been, like, my favorite stand-up comedian. Right. Versus, right. like, in movies, this dude, like, I watch any movie he's in because I think he's hilarious. Whereas Cat Williams is the opposite. Right, right, right. Cat right, Williams, right. I mean, on, on, on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, like, I got snot coming out of my face yeah, when yeah. he's on stage. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Even, like, his latest ones. Like, my, Cat Williams can still come out. You think he just did a comedy special, like, within the last year or so. He did. He did. And it's funny as shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. bit about the chicken wing shortage is one of my favorite. Yeah. The thing that he did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He, you know, that was a legendary shit. Yeah. yeah. I look at these guys. Um, so, hold on. Mike Epps and who else? Mike Epps and um, I'm going to reach in the bag. It's a tie between second between uh, late and great Bernie Mac. Oh, yeah. and uh, Lavelle Crawford. Okay, I love both of those. Okay. Those are two yes. of my love. Yes, them. yes. Uh, Lavelle Crawford is. Can you imagine the things that Bernie Mac will be saying about today? So, <laughs> I, 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 I listen to some of his. I listen to some of his old stuff. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm like, there's no way motherfuckers would no, allow. No, they wouldn't be allowed. No. They boycott him. They protest. Him. Like when yeah. he was like he did a bit on you know. How how you uh how you gay and you worship the Lord? Yeah. They don't like that. He was like, well, but we're like going in about it. But that's yes. what, like so you said, funny. you stay away said, from get pronoun that punk jokes. Out of the choir. <laughs> yeah. You say you stay away from pronoun jokes. I Bernie Mac would eat that shit up, dude. Alive. He, uh, I mean, he would eat it alive, bro. Alive. Didn't I tell your punk ass brother? I said you couldn't have no milk and cookies. You know, yeah, the milk I, and cookies. The was milk, forever. Hey, like, I'm telling you, Bernie Mac was a man's man, and even there was a small clip on the internet recently. The Bernie Mac show, they were taking some pictures. They had the entire cast set up the way they wanted. They wanted the young boy, I guess his nephew, to sit on his lap. The director, the photographer, said, you're going to sit here. Bernie said no. So she waited a few seconds and said it again. Go ahead and sit down right here. He said, didn't I tell you no? <laughs> Bernie wasn't going for that stuff. Yeah. He, the, the kid sat beside him. Yep. Like I feel like that's Bernie was like that real guy all the time. Yeah. Yep. You know, not just a... A character, because that's what I feel like we do when we get on stage. And yeah. people, I'm not comparing myself to any of these guys that we're talking about right now. I'm only saying it because I do it. You get to be someone else. Mm. But I feel like that's who he is on and off, you know. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Well, and that's like, I don't, you know, he's a little younger, but like, you know, Chappelle. Um, yes. Chappelle's changed. He's gotten older. His, his material has, but he's still Dave Chappelle. Yes. Right? It's, he's just the older version of Dave Chappelle. I'm not who I was 15 years ago. You're not who you no. were 15 years ago. But, like, no. Dave's gotten older. But to me, Dave has just been, he's so smart. He's so wise. Yep. The, the way he describes the world as he sees it. Um, on top of, like, the punchlines, the timing, the delivery, all of it's perfect. But he also just happens to be, like, a pretty deep thinker on top of it. Yeah. And so, like, that's what elevates him to me to a, to a place where almost nobody can touch Dave Chappelle and, and, ever and, and Kyle Dave Chappelle's one of those people where I'm like I I don't know if he's as funny as he what used to be to me because I love like a little bit younger Dave Chappelle oh probably yeah less thinking Dave Chappelle where he was just like giving us material like but that was the younger us too because we were the same way <laughs> yeah right we were, the, we were right Versus there with him now he more storytelling he, he talks about because 
now he's in his, his life has changed. It's like I can't rap about the same stuff when I'm not living that same life anymore. He's not in it's, D.C. It's, he's not in Northwest D.C. Yeah, every yeah, night. Now he's on a farm in Ohio. Right, right. He's in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And he's like yeah. all the time people see him. He's recognizable. And the first thing they want to talk about is, you know, somebody that's gay or somebody that's trans. Because, like, these are the things that constantly infiltrate his life now, right? His life is no longer the same. So no. his jokes and material have to go along with that. So I, I think it's a growth process for all comedians. I think it's really cool that we even have the ability to talk about this on this podcast today. We never had to, we've never done this before. So it's really kind of cool. Awesome. So I appreciate it, uh, Derek, for even allowing us to, you being here has allowed us to really dive into it. It's awesome. Have you seen Rogan stand up? <clears throat> I don't know what just happened. Yes. <laughs> that was weird. I don't Rogan, know what just happened. I, I, Rogan is so underrated he as is. a comic. He is. He is incredibly underrated. That dry humor? Well, yeah. And, like, there's some, like, again, we're talking about jokes. Like, there are some jokes that you we were talking about offending people earlier or jokes that you don't like. Or th- right. Everybody has their own preferred brand of comedy. Yes. Right? So, like, there are categories of jokes that I don't love, right? right. When we were kids, remember kids would tell us dead baby jokes? Yes. I never got those. Like, I never understood that. <laughs> Still not. Yeah. I don't get, I hate them. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't, to this day, I hate them. Right. When comics tell jokes about kids getting molested, right? It's, it's been done in a way that I'm just, like, it just makes my skin crawl when I listen to it. It does. I, I understand for some people, it's an outlet. Like, especially for people who've been abused. Like, I had to listen to them to say, oh, you found that. Okay, well, you get to find that funny. That's not for me to judge and say nobody can tell those jokes. But for me, I just can't get with those kinds of jokes. It makes my skin crawl yeah. when I hear about that. But I'm not screaming for people to be taken off the fucking stage for telling them. No. And, and that's what I don't understand about some of these people. Like, you said, Dave, he is probably exhausted for getting yelled at for making all these <laughs> jokes. And it's just not as fun as it used to well, be. Well, it's, it's <laughs> funny because Dave Chappelle, I saw him last time live in New Orleans. Me and my wife did. And, uh, you know, they took the phones. This is when he was doing, like, one of his big specials. And um, they took the phones and stuff. And before him, he had this young lady come out, and she was talking about her dad molesting her. The shit was weird. That's oh, weird. yeah. That, that was the only time I've ever been in right. this thing. And she was joking about it. Thought it was hilarious. I was just like, oh. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, that hit. Like, oh. Yeah. I just sit there and don't move until, I just don't move until it's <laughs> over. I'm like, yeah. can we hurry up and get this over with? You don't know how to respond to some of those jokes. Because I don't know if it's real or not. Either. You don't know if it's, it's not relatable to you. <laughs> right. Yeah, that too. So you don't want to be like, rah, 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 you know, and you don't really And it's understand. also like the most heinous crime you could commit. It is. So it's like, how could you joke about this? But I don't guess I get the bitch about it. I'm just going to sit here quietly. <laughs> right, right. It's almost like if somebody throws out, I heard a guy make a joke about, um, he was Jewish, and he made a joke about this girl that he had dated, and I saw everyone's light bulbs starting to go off across the room. You could see it as the joke progressed. He's like, yeah, this girl I dated, you know, she was from this part of the country. She had a tattoo, looked like a barcode. It was like, you see where I'm going with this, right? He set it up. He set set it up so beautifully. I was in tears by the time that he, (laughs) because it took some people, they were late getting it, but no one got offended because he, the way he put it out there, yeah. you know? But I'm with you. There are some jokes that people will say, and uh, you know where I get in trouble? I laugh out loud before everybody else does. So this one guy was like, you know, there's two girls I dated back in high school. They were twins. And the way I could tell them apart was so-and-so. She always wore her hair in a ponytail. She wore bright colors, and she always chewed gum. He was like the other one. He was like kind of broad shoulders and had a big old hairy cock on her. <laughs> I screamed, okay? <laughs> I screamed before anybody else could say anything, right? So I'm sitting there by myself crying. 
because the way he loaded that joke up. So sometimes that's what happens to me when I don't even want to laugh. I can't help it. I just go. Oh yeah, I, yeah. That's so, what good comedy does to you too. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it, man. Yeah, it's the coolest. Now, this is. It, I'm glad we're we're having this conversation because like yeah. you know, comedy, the, the greatest comedians of our generations, also happen to be some of the greatest truth tellers, guys who who can sometimes predict the future. Like if you go back and listen to George Carlin stand up from the '80s, some of the things that he predicted. I mean, he was extremely critical and skeptical of government, um, <laughs> and like he he was all about freedom and liberty, like and not in like a you know America kind of way. Right. Like he was just like a leave me the fuck alone, I'll leave you the fuck alone type of guy, right? Right. Well, Very much a true libertarian. Well, absolutely was. And, you know, he talks, and you've seen a lot, a lot of his old stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. But, man, he, he told the truth. He did. And to step back for He's a second. He's the one that joked on the pro-life stuff, too, didn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Nobody yeah. was safe with George Carlin. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. That was 100%. That was the best part about him is that he would light you up. Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party. Yeah. He didn't give a fuck. He yeah. would light you up if he thought you were somebody worth lighting up. I like that, though. And what you talked about, Chappelle, as he's matured, he's gotten older, I think his – I've tapped into a creative lane within myself that I felt like I used to try to diminish mm. because people were like, oh, you went to the military, you went to Iraq and Afghanistan, you haven't changed. I was like, well, isn't that a good thing? Because if I had have changed, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. My sense of humor, me thinking, my sister says I live in my head, right? right. So I can never be too bothered, right? <laughs> I'll laugh at my own self if I have to, you know? So I feel like Chappelle, as he's continued to progress, you get that more activism part of his uh, comedy. You get that more because now he's using his platform. Yes. Right? He was trying to grow at first, and he mm -hmm. was giving us – I mean, me and Kyle, would uh, we would be calling each other, everybody at home, Chappelle Show's coming on, mm -hmm. and oh, we'd be locked best. in, right? Yes. And that's when he took that initial break because some of the writers for that show, they wanted to push the envelope a little bit, which I'm sure he did at times. But now that he can say, hey, I want to do this show, or no, I don't, that's a freedom like, you know, most mm -hmm. people don't get to experience. So I think he is kind of using his platform for different things. Too. I think it was really important for him to understand that he is on the platform, too, because because I'm on this platform. Man, maybe that joke isn't what I want to perception to be right. or accept it as when we look at it. You know, it was fun him doing the. You know the white family with the, uh, the oh n-word name, right? That, yeah. that shit was funny, and like he was able to get away with it, and like him being the black milkman. Yeah. Oh, my favorite, favorite family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a, like, it was hilarious. But like as he continued to push the envelope, yeah. some of these perceptions, he's like, I don't want that to be the perception because he understands he has such a broad audience. I don't want. White people would have this perception of what this is what all black people are. Right. Like, I don't want all black people to have this perception of what this what white people and black people like all these different like, you know, like the racial draft like that. All these things were hilarious. <laughs> like he was the first one that had a show that really pushed it like this. Like nobody. They were I'd just never, scared to touch that. Yeah, oh, yeah. he was not. <laughs> he wasn't. And he was able to, so many people because he did it. I was just watching Charlie. Mur <laughs> I was watching Charlie Murphy last night. <laughs> oh talk about God. this with Snoop. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Charlie yes. Murphy telling that story about those two rednecks, Bubba. That yes. he was, oh my God! Yeah, I can't say it. You say it. Char <laughs> <laughs> right, right before that, he prompted something. I'm going to show y'all something after this. Charlie Murphy has a a segment on YouTube where um, uh, Eddie told him to beat this guy up in their group. I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, it, I right? saw that. This guy would follow them around to dinners and different things, get drunk, and tell everybody at the table how he beat their ass, right? 
Eddie had enough. He told Charlie, said, fold him. I'm done. <laughs> fold him. Charlie wolfed him, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> security carried him off, right? The guy comes back, too, while security has him. He whoops on the security, right? When they left the place they were having dinner, it was six miles to Eddie's house. The dude showed up at the security gate. Let me in, talking cash. I, I do it no justice, but I want to show it to you because I didn't even think of Charlie when we were talking about all this. Yeah. I wonder how much Charlie contributed to Chappelle's writing style or the writers yeah, that were yeah, there. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. those are some daggone stories that probably are stuck in a vault that would never right, get out, you right. know? Charlie Murphy was a heck of a storyteller, but... Well, the Rick James is all because of Charlie Murphy hanging out. Oh, like, yeah. Sean, Chappelle had no idea about any of that but stuff. But that was that some was... of the stuff that he did that, like, nobody would touch, like you said. I still walk through my house sometimes, and the Clayton Bigsby skit will oh, pop in my, my head. And, and, it, and I'll just start cackling, like you said. Like, <laughs> yes. I, 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 my wife's doing something over there. No, I'm just talking to myself in my own head, and Clayton Bigsby pops up, and I just start cackling in the fucking room, Yes, man. yeah. I'll show you tonight. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. We literally, when they had the scene where they went back in time and they were in the pimp suits and they were shooting the slave masters. Yeah. When Chappelle got whipped he, in, the, in, the, in the edits, he said, that's too hard. And he ran up on the white dude. He had a pad on his back. <laughs> that, to this day, I think about that scene. It's genius. Yeah. You know? He was doing. He was twenty years before his time. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I'm just glad I was in college, so I was able to watch it. And right, like, right. We got all the CDs. We got. Yeah. My roommate really oh my put God. me on it, and like we would just sit up and watch these things every week, all the time. But it, I, I I applaud him for recognizing his platform yeah. because oh, sure, yeah. he had understood like, yeah. dude, this thing had took over. I mean. I went around college campus for a whole year, and everybody was like, I'm Rick James, bitch. Everybody. Yes. Everybody. Professors were saying it. They, yes. Professors yeah. were saying it. They, everybody did for like a whole year I and a half. I literally saw a video of like an economics professor in the Midwest somewhere open up a lecture one year. Where his, le- his name was Rick James. And on the fucking slide behind him, it said, hello, welcome to whatever class. I'm Rick James, bitch. I'm Rick <laughs> James, bitch. <laughs> but... And that was before things went viral. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but absolutely. That show had stuff go viral every single week about all kinds of stuff. And I yeah. applaud him and yeah. I applaud him for recognizing his platform. Yeah. And then like stepping away at the right time to be like, all right. I don't even know. But that's the way I, the fact that he stepped away at all is legendary. That's yeah. what makes him even more legendary. That's true too. Yes. Because that's they tried too. to shaft him on a deal and it was I think Cat Williams broke it down well. It was like, so hey, wait a minute, you I made you five hundred million dollars. But because that's too much per the contract, I only get fifty. Right. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That ain't something, how. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something don't add up right. Yeah. 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 Something don't add yeah. Up right. That math ain't math in this. No, they it say. really doesn't. But no, he, he's he's absolutely a legend. I want to ask you this because we got a, we got an NFL guy. How mu- how much we played high school football together and growing nice. up and yeah. Pee Wee. How much you still watching the game? Are you? Um. Because you're busy all the time. I'm busy all the time. And, you know, this is a funny question because, obviously, if you've seen the podcast, mm-hmm. they ask me sports questions all the time. Right. I get them wrong all the time. <laughs> right? Now, it's something simple as trades. Now, these are nightly trades, stuff that you can see on a normal, yeah. you know, phone. Look or just looking, you know, just browsing. Just paying attention. Just paying attention. <laughs> I get them all wrong. <laughs> and I think it's funny because, in my head, when I came here today, I already had it in my head that I was going to ask y'all how um, (laughs) 
Larry Johnson and some of those guys were doing. You know what I'm saying? You know, and it just I laughed in the car driving down here because I was already thinking about it. And I know Antonio when he hears this, he knows that I don't know a fraction of what he knows. Oh, Antonio's a walking. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he knows receptions and this and that. So we have entire segments mm-hmm. on the show where they'll put my points at the bottom of the screen and they'll ask me, "Where's this? Where's this guy play at?" And I'll say a totally different team, AFC, NFC, crossing, like wanting to be the same thing, you know? <laughs> and, it's, and it's hilarious. I don't follow like it. the New York Cardinals. Yeah, 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 New York Cardinals. <laughs> and, and my safe bet, I'll just say the Cowboys. Yeah. Somebody say, where did he go, Cowboys? You know? Yeah. Jerry will get him there, I'm telling you. That's one thing I do know. <laughs> Jerry will get him there, you know? Uh, we made a funny joke about when they had the, the combine. Yeah. Jerry was sitting up there, and uh, the camera zoomed in, and you could see his mouth. And I, I did a, vo- a voiceover, and I was like, you see that boy? I want him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I want I, him. I want him. Get him here, yeah. One yeah. of our other friends, Terrell. Terrell Burks. Yeah, yeah. He had a touchdown run. I think it was our sophomore <laughs> junior year or something. And another one of our friends, Dad, was an older white guy. Guy, rest his soul. His name was Herb. Uh, his name was Herb Caldwell. And uh, the f- one thing everybody in the crowd hears, that boy runs like a deer. That boy runs like a deer. <laughs> I mean, you can hear it plain as day. Terrell's cooking down some high hands, you know. That boy runs like a deer. And that's for the next five years, anytime somebody scored a touchdown, anybody that broke off a long run, yep. all of us at the same time, that boy runs like, like a deer. deer. You know? So, uh, it's, it's hilarious because – That's so good. I was actually nervous to come on here today because I didn't know what y'all were going to ask me about sports. We so don't want to ask you shit. We just want to hang out. Right. So I just want to brush up on it because literally I don't follow it the way that I should. And it is because I do stay very busy. But I love the fact that pretty soon we're going to have Terrell. I've been trying to get him on. I want to do an entire sports show, college edition. Oh, yeah. Ask them trivia questions. Oh, like yeah. We've had the game show on recently. I might be your guy. You know, yep. and, and have them on there so we can get through some of these McGahees and all these guys oh, that yeah. they talk about to this day. Yeah. But that's what we yeah. were we were eat up with this. Remember the time? You probably don't, but I, I, we were, I was laughing at myself. We were telling a story. We were talking about high school sports in like an early episode of the you podcast. You dropped the pass. Well, that was the funny part. Remember, I dropped the <laughs> touchdown pass on TV against William Byrd. Kyle was a great tight end. I don't know about that. I was a big <laughs> T tight end. I was an average tight end. But uh, it was funny because I told you a story about a time that I only played one way, right? I was, I was a tight end. But for two weeks, I had to start as nose tackle because he got benched because he mispracticed one day. <laughs> and so I, I, this is who I was talking about when it happened. And, like, uh, we, we were practiced one day. He mispracticed. And they, Bailey, get a get get nose tackle. And I'm like, me? All right, cool. So I jump out there. Doing my thing. I guess I practiced well enough that day. Like, you're starting. Allen's on the bench. He missed practice. Yep. And I'm like, wait, I got it. I'm starting. Huh? All right. Well, that's fine. And then I'm like, we're playing William Fleming that week. Ooh. They went 6'4", 350 across the front. Virginia Tech starting line yeah. in high school. They were massive. Like, yeah. they, from, <laughs> that means you're getting body slammed, Kyle. Oh, oh, dude. I, I just – we walked to the – I went to the sideline one time. We, they scored another touchdown on us. And defensive line coach is yelling at me, like, you got to do this. And I'm like, I'm swimming in a fucking water bed out right. there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't, yeah. I'm like 6'2", 230. These guys got 120 pounds on me. And, I'm and like, they what can do move. You want? Yeah, and they can move. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. There's nothing I can do with these guys. And yeah. so, like, it was hilarious. It was a dogfight. Yeah. I mean, they were punching. I mean, it was – and that's when William Fleming was feared. Oh, yeah. I don't think they've had a team like that since then. You know, they chased us out of the uh, – we, we beat them. Yeah. We beat they, told them. Us, <laughs> they told us. They, they told us. They said, listen, keep y'all's helmets on when y'all exit because we're scared. They jump on you, they, you know. 
I was like, where are the cops at? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We got nobody. Yeah. <laughs> these helmets are supposed to protect us. Yeah, protect us. Yeah. He, thinks he, he thinks he's going to this game about to get beat up on the field. Right. Instead, they bench him. I'm getting beat up on the field, and he's getting yelled at by the people in the stands. And I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, our pads are going to stop a shank. Y'all need to watch these dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is crazy. You know? That is crazy. I mean, it was crazy. And yeah, I, was, I never had that. Never had that? No. No. Never. Oh, they, they chased us out of there after we beat them in a baseball game one spring. Oh, now, wow. there were some racial barbs being lobbed back and forth at each other. You know, they had to escort us to the bus because, uh, yeah. you know, there were some dudes on our team about to catch an ass whooping. But, uh, yeah. This will be my one sports question of All this right. whole show. All right. All right, Kyle. Yes. This is more for you, Derek. You can try and chime in if you want to, or just pay close attention. Kyle, can I just say this? Sure. Shohei Otani yeah. is a fucking machine. All right? The guy leads the AL in home runs. Yeah. He pitches. He's having a down year in pitching, according to the experts. But the dude just hit a moon rocket 453 feet yesterday. He does it routinely. And does it routinely. And look, I used to always hear about all the Anaheim Angels, you know, naysayers. Oh, the MLB, they don't showcase Mike Trout enough. He's not, he's a superstar. He's this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden, a real superstar showed up. Whoa, whoa, and whoa. Dwarfed him. They're both real superstars. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's Mike Trout's been the best player in baseball for a decade. Look, his I'm teammates better. You. I'm not arguing with you. His teammates better. I'm not arguing better. with you. That's his why the man's about to $600 million. I'm not going to argue like, with okay. you. Like, but let's be nice to Mike Trout. This I want to be nice to Mike Trout. But Mike Trout doesn't make me tune in and watch baseball. Okay. Shohei Otani makes me want to watch baseball. He does things that I've never seen before. The fact that he pitches and hits moon rockets out of the stadium on a consistent basis. That's all I'm saying. I know Mike Trout is American-born, and we love Mike Trout, but Shohei Otani is the freaking man. Well, it was our boy Stephen A. Smith who was screaming last year that he would be a bigger deal if he would speak English. Wow. That's what Stephen A. was saying last year. He's probably right. I don't think he's incorrect on that because a a lot of them – we can't have him on TV. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like He doesn't get that PR. He doesn't get the PR as much. And I, I think it's a, a – Like, I he, he did yeah. good because he got a New Balance commercial this year, and he said, like, three words. My understanding right. is – But he's like, da-da-da-da-da, and that was it. Remember right. Ichiro Suzuki played for – Ichiro played for yeah. Seattle, for the Mariners, right? I think played it's a situation 20 years. like that where I think he – he can speak English. Yeah, each row just can. Just not well enough that he wants to do interviews with it. And it also, it's a little bit of a shield. Like he's, oh, I'm, I don't speak English well enough. I don't have to do these interviews. But, right? but Ichiro is also, um, where's uh, Shohei from? Is he? Japan. Is he from Japan as well? Right. I knew uh, Ichiro was Japan. I didn't know if he was uh, South Korean or not. They're trying, they, they want him in Seattle. Because, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Fan base out Right, yeah. They, Dude, they would go crazy. Well, exactly. Like, that's they, – they, a lot of people think he's going to be a Dodger next year because he just moved down the street because they got the money. <laughs> but I think Seattle really is the team to keep an eye on because there's that history there where Ichiro mm. became an absolute legend in Seattle. He is so, a legend. Um, no, I think he could end up there. But they're going, somebody's going to pay him five to $600 million because he's, he plays two positions. <laughs> he, crazy. He, he's an all-star caliber, um, you know, pitcher. And, yeah. you know, he's an unbelievable home run hitter. He's hit, he hit his 21st yesterday, and it was he made history. They, it, what your eyes saw justified you know, what you thought it was. That was the hardest hit ball to the opposite field by a left-handed hitter since StatCast began tracking exit velocity in 2015. And the, the previous record was held by 
Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, <laughs> absolutely. He hit that thing 116 miles an hour out of the ballpark yesterday. Smoked it. Yep. So he broke his own record. Yeah. Now, before y'all started talking about distance, uh, uh, ball travel, all this other stuff, I was sitting here thinking we were talking about sumo. Nah. <laughs> uh, I was trying to get somebody. Uh, these names, like I said, I Horishio uh, Yatami and, 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 and Toyama and all that. I don't know. So I didn't really know we were talking about baseball until you start talking about <laughs> Seattle and all this other stuff. So I ain't gonna lie, I was lost for like thirty seconds. I'm tracking now. I still don't know who these guys are. So but that's I get why it. you lit up. Like, oh, baseball. Yeah. No, no, I, I literally. You. He said a moon rocket. He hit a moon rocket. I was like, oh, Derek. Yeah, we're not talking. Maybe about not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. I totally get it. But like. I just look, Shohei is what, 6'4, 230? He's a monster. He's a monster. He looks like a creative player. And Ichiro was the complete opposite smaller, very more impact, uh, compact, was a leadoff guy. Got slap on base, hitter. At times. Yeah, slap hitter. And just got on base, had a great arm, great defensive guy. But I'm just saying, people, chicks dig the long ball. Um, fans love home runs. Yeah. And this is what this guy does. Not only that, but then he steps up and strikes people out, too. So he's a pitcher, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, he's unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, is this a 6'4 guy? Yeah. yeah. The biggest Japanese man you ever seen in your life <laughs> outside of the sumo guys. He's right. Huge. He's a huge person. Right. And he's the only major league player, well, really since Babe Ruth, right, that is like a high-quality starting pitcher. Oh, he's the, that's that's why he's so special. Right. Is that we lit, we can you know people say well we haven't seen this before or, you know you haven't seen this in a long time. You've literally not seen anybody do what he's doing since Babe Ruth. Yes. Because baseball is so you know bifurcated in that way and it's a it's an individualized team sport. Yeah. So even can, great hitters in high school that are pitchers eventually just become pitchers. Right. Like you might like, see some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They just, They're right. great players at the college level. You might see do that. You know, play yes. both positions, but you don't see it at the major league level because they don't need you to for the yes. most part. And most yes. guys can't pull it off. Somebody, they're going to have to pay him as two players. <laughs> they're going to have to pay him as two he's players. Good, I'll take yeah, it. He's that good. I'll take it. You pay 500, 600 million? That's what he's going to get. That's life changing. That's what he's, I mean, the next six generations of Otanis will be fine. Yes. Assuming Earth hasn't, you know, ended imploded. By right. <laughs> I got a theory on that too. Please, oh, right. okay. Let's, let's end with that. Shall I can't we? wait. Can we end on that? Are we going to talk about the alien this, thing? Yeah, absolutely. Vegas, this is the shit that I know he likes to talk yeah, about. Yeah. He makes <laughs> people laugh. He yeah. builds cars, and he does this. Right. right. Yeah. So, what's your theory? I get made fun of all the time because I've been studying Antarctica and why we are not allowed to go there without government paperwork without filing before you go. Mm -hmm. uh, they have something going on down there, and we talked about this on the podcast, right? I am a true believer that these movies that Hollywood produces are only putting stuff in plain sight. How do these people create movies about portals in the ocean, which is the most undiscovered place that we have? Oh, yeah. Portals that link us to aliens. They've shown uh, the Rogan uh, show. He showed ships diving into the ocean. Yep. Right? Tonio wanted to they, well, kill you me. Got, you got to send me that episode. I got oh, you. Yeah. Okay. Tonio wanted to kill me over this because he thinks that dinosaur bones were built in a factory and have serial numbers on them and that people went out and put them in the ground. What? And now, years later, we're digging them up and giving them crazy eight-syllable names. So, That's he, what, so he thinks that, like, cavemen did a dinosaur Easter egg, Easter egg hunt for pretty us? Pretty much, you know what I'm saying? And oh, wow. They were clicking and banging, but that was a triceratops or whatever. You oh, know what I'm okay. saying? That's yeah, yeah, that's what he thinks. All right. So I said, literally, you would have to see me ride in here 
on the back of a T-Rex on a saddle, butt naked, <laughs> in this parking lot for you to believe that there were dinosaurs? He said, absolutely. If I can't touch it, I don't believe it. So Tonio doesn't think there were ever <laughs> dinosaurs? dinosaurs? Ever. 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 Jesus. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. I'm ever. mind-blowing. That guy's... Yeah, that you got Antonio. So yeah, now, this man scored the most beautiful touchdown with no with one shoe on. Yeah, 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 one shoe. Yeah. So, me and him are like night and day like when it deer. comes to these yeah, things. Like you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously believe that the things that are going on, the the movies show us that when they give us this information, what's the first thing that happens? Nationwide panic. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. 100%. A thousand percent. So first thing's going to happen, major cities and stuff like that. Listen, if you're not on the outskirts, highways are going to be jammed. Oh, yeah. Then it's going to turn into, hey, not uh, let me get this Rolex off your arm. Let me get that can of gas off your truck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Let me go ahead and grab those keys. Open so your I, freezer. Open your freezer. Yep. So I really think the things that are going on, some of it they're trying to show us. Now that we live in the age of these computers, as my granddad would call it, rest in peace, these computers, uh-huh. people are capturing the stuff for themselves. So now it's kind of hard to take this stuff down or to dispute some of this stuff because we're seeing it all the time. Do I believe that, there, that we are on this earth, we are orbiting and, and spinning at a million miles an hour, whatever it is, and there's nothing else outside of what we're doing right now? There's, a not, not, there's not another right. Kyle Bailey right. somewhere else that has a completely different life. Sure. Parallel. There's not another you. Yeah, but are we humans? Are those people right. humans? Are they humans? Are they more advanced? Are they less advanced? The Bible talks about, and I don't want to bring too much, but the time period where there were giants, where there were yeah. certain things. And Oh, I carry mine around in my backpack. Just you, <laughs> sure, yes, yes, I'm yes, looking yes, around yes. every day. It's in my backpack. I'm telling you. I got Jesus so, with me every day. Jesus, yes, every day. So some of these things that I start to study, I wonder, you know, could we be, it's very hard to believe that we can only see like my, my buddy Gary said, 13.5 billion light years away is the furthest that we've been able to see in our galaxy. By the time we get there, the universe has already increased another 13.5 billion years. Mm-hmm. It's never ending. So you're going to tell me that this is it? No, it's not it. Nah. That's not it. Now, I, I do think some of the things that we've seen lately, like yeah. what's the one that happened last week where the, uh, the two guys, they saw the cops saw something fall out of the sky, then they got the phone call from the, the couple, and the guy was like, there's two big things in my backyard. Backyard. I, never seen, I yep. think that's bullshit. Not because yep. I don't believe in aliens, right. but because I don't believe that the aliens are that inept. Right. That they just wreck their shit, and then they just, they'd yeah. be so bad at hiding, they'd right. pop up and you'd see them. Like, no. I, I just don't believe that. No, I believe that we have acquired – some aircraft back in the days, 50s, 40s, whatever, and we have developed the technology to be able to pilot them ourselves. Maybe not even putting somebody in it, but being able to control it, whether that was given to us or not. If you look at the stealth bomber, I mean, it's how Independence far, Day, right? How far advanced? Where do they get this from? How far advanced mm-hmm. was a stealth bomber technology? Oh yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, it was way advanced way, back in the day. Like, in the nineties, we way shouldn't advanced. have that until almost like now. Well, see, so think about it too, yeah. because I, I talk about this. One of my favorite professors in grad school um, was a guy named Ken, and he was a former. We had a rotating CIA officer that would come through Virginia Tech and would and teach in our department That's uh, for a couple of years. And he got there, and he was more toward the end of his career. And he's like, I don't want to be in the CIA anymore. I retire. I'm going to stay here. So they gave him a full time job, and he stayed with. I, he might still be with the department. I don't know. But he taught us a job. He taught two courses. Um, that were about intelligence, CIA stuff, a lot of it based in what we were doing with mapping and the visualization of data. But, I mean, we learned about the initial invasion into Iraq and Afghanistan, and he's told us about, you know, his part in it. And so I've talked to him about a lot of things. And he he also taught a portion of the course 
where he would say that, like, it, he'd take us through the history of technology and how the CIA and the federal government and the intelligence agencies, you know, had acquired um, or had developed some technologies, like cameras in the, the tip of a pen that were being used in the 30s and 40s and 50s, right? That technology was not I – mean, you would never associate that kind of technology with right, the 30s, good. 40s, and 50s. Would, that time period. But they were using it. Before, no. Google, before Google Maps was Google Maps, it was a, it was a platform called Keyhole. Um, and the CIA owned it, developed it, and they used it, you know, and used those satellites to be able to, you know, zoom in to places on Earth. Like, long before Google owned Google Images or Google Maps as we know it today, it was Keyhole. You can look that up. And so, you know, there was a lot that the government could do technologically that people had no concept. Not, not only did they not know, they had no concept of it because it had never been done before. It'd be like magic t- describing it to somebody. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where we grew up or where you grew up in Appalachia or Alabama, if you tried to explain this, well, we have a camera in the tip of an ink pen. It'd be like, y'all got ink pens? Like, yeah. that's what you'd get. Like, yeah, they, yeah. They wouldn't Ain't even. no way you get a camera in there. No, let me see that. You know, you know, hey, like Tanya said, you got to show me. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, like there was some wild stuff that, that you know, pe- folks don't truly, I think, grasp just how ahead or how advanced some of the technology that the federal government has and how much further ahead they had it than everybody else. Well, I, I told you, Kyle, I played golf with this guy like a couple years ago, and he was in the weapons development business. Right. And for years, and now he's like high up, so he's like, dude, I don't even get to like play with the toys anymore. That's what he called it. Yeah. And like for a whole year or two years, his goal was – they were developing to where they could shoot a missile mm-hmm. or a rocket, go travel all the way around the earth, and be able to hit a six by six window pane. <laughs> Jesus. Like, that's what, what type what, of MOA is that, Kyle? What type of MOA is that? You know what I mean? That was what yeah. they wanted to develop. Like, yeah. that is what they were developing. Yeah. And they did. He's like, I mean, we got it. Like, we can do that. And then they hand over the controls to some 19-year-old like, airman out in Nevada who's like, sitting in a bunker somewhere with a remote control. Like, <laughs> to, go, to go around the world, because right. it wants to be able to travel that much. We can fire it, boom, travel, yep. and be able to hit a six-by-six six window pane. That's yep. what, that was what we were developing. It's terrifying. That it's is extremely, scary. That's extremely scary. I mean, you think about these people making long-distance shots, right? All the math that goes into that, right? They're yeah, shooting just four, the snipe, They're the shooting sniper, yeah. 14 feet above the target to hit it at center mass. Yep. You're telling me you're going to put around the opposite direction around? They <laughs> did <laughs> something a six by six and a six. <laughs> but this is where nerds rule the world. Yes, because, yes, because yes, the, yes, the yes, math yes, required guys, right. to pull yes. that off yeah. is so high level that most people can't comprehend. Yeah. It. How much is going to change? Barry, uh, what's the word? Um, Gravity. Barry. Uh, Barry. The atmosphere. Oh. Bariatric. Bariatric. Yeah. How much is that going to change in a rotation? Right. That's what I'm saying. The, the math regions, required to get that different right. Different wind pools. You've got different currents in the oceans. And I don't know. All that would affect that, that bullet travel, you know? Yep. And to keep it at the same speed. And to keep that means that that's some type of propulsion. I don't even know. But just hearing you say that <laughs> blows my mind. Just like the movie. Just like the movie uh, Tracer. Eraser. Oh, yeah. I mean, Eraser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had those plasma battle rifles that they could see uh, X-ray through walls, hard surfaces, concrete, and still put an accurate shot inside of a building they couldn't see with the naked eye. 
Mm. And that was in the 90s. So, you know, have you seen the John Wick movies? Yes. Okay, I love the John. Have you seen them? Mm. I, I just binged them over the weekend. People don't do that in real life. You will die. Although, you got <laughs> to you give Keanu Reeves a lot of credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Keanu Reeves' yeah. weapons training hey, for that movie. Hey, I ain't going to lie. I've watched watch him on YouTube. Yeah. He's bad. He, know, he is bad. He's he, bad. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. But, like, remember the, the same thing? There was a second one, and it's, it's tuxedo. And they're like, hey, this is bulletproof. Yeah. It's going to hurt like a motherfucker. Yes. But like, so, when I was working as a bouncer at PKs and Blacksburg, <laughs> and I was sitting, there would be slow nights. I'd be sitting there checking IDs and you know, picking up beer mugs. There was a, an old attorney. He was an IP, an intellectual property attorney, right? And he, he worked with the university. He worked at Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech has a ton of federal government contractors and DOD contracts, right? Mm -hmm. They do a lot of classified and even, like, you know, top secret stuff over there where they're developing technology for the federal government, for the military. And he used to tell me, I'd be sitting there checking IDs and he'd be sweating, he'd have a beer and he'd walk over and we'd just be shooting the shit. And he'd be telling me stories about things that he got to see when he was in on some of those meetings because he was the IP attorney for these technology companies. And he told me about the first time he saw somebody in a brand new Kevlar suit that had just been developed. And he said he was sitting there and he thought the, the, the meeting was about to start and somebody pulled out a fucking Glock 9mm and shot the dude across the room <laughs> and nobody expected it. Oh, he just, my. He's like, I just thought I witnessed a murder and I about crapped myself. And oh, I bet. Somebody peed on himself. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Percent. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'd have went up under the table. Oh, I ain't yeah. gonna lie. Yeah, dude, yeah. I'm telling you. Man. Yeah, he, he used to tell How some they don't tell nobody stories, that. Stories, they bro. just go. They just gonna hit us with that. Yeah, everybody <laughs> in that room has PTSD now. Oh, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. That's that. Honestly, working because I worked at PKs, and when I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, I would take security jobs on the weekend to make extra money. I'd work the door at some of the clubs in Charleston. And some of the dudes that you meet on, like, slow nights are some of the wildest fucking individuals you've ever seen in your life. But they got stories, buddy. Serious stories. Yeah. I was sitting next to a rear admiral on a plane uh, one time coming out of Charlotte. And we got to talking about military stuff. And at first he dialed it back real, real far. Like, oh, yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'm like... Hang on for a second. You know, like it just <laughs> something, something just didn't, you know, uh, didn't jive. And I was like, if you don't mind me asking, who are you? And he showed me his business card. And I was like, he's like, that issue your granddad's having at the VA, tell him to call me. Oh, wow. And I was like, yes, sir. All right. You know, you never know who you're going to talk to. Oh, That's bro. Very true. You know, you never know who you're going to talk to. And these some people out here, like you said, that have done and seen some things that mm -hmm. we can't even Imagine. No, and it's not even like they're necessarily high-ranking officials. No, it's no, like they just been... they were an attorney, they were a, yeah. an executive assistant who had to be in the room, and they saw some shit. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I met like the first time I met like a real like sniper guy that was like working and training. He actually uh, got heat exhaustion on a mission, and and actually he was no longer allowed to travel and go do stuff. But he yeah. was doing stuff in like Bosnia, like stuff oh, like yeah. we're like. They're normal people. They never know what's going on. It's like, these are like, and he's like, you know, we sat out looking for a guy for three days in the middle of the woods, waited on him to come home, and they call it like, well, you know, make their, their hair stand up because when you hit them, you can see it, and when you hit the bullet hits them, like their hair on the hair stands up mm -hmm. before it goes through them. He's like, you know, and then he's like, and he was the first time I had ever heard like what you said, Derek, but you got to shoot above it because the moment you pull the trigger, gravity's pulling on the bullet. Yep. So yep. that's why you got to aim up to try and hit somebody a mile and a half away. You got to figure all that out. Yeah, yeah. Know? He's like, you know, he's got a spotter there and like they got to figure all those things out. Yep. The wind, the this. I'm like, these are things that me, I had never even thought about, heard of. Yep. But these are like the specialization of what weapons training is. And this is why me personally, I'm always like, I would never cut defense spit budget, 
You know what I mean? Because like, no. this is what allows America to kind of live what we do in the oblivious and all of the selfishness that we are as all individuals in America. It's always about me and you don't really worry about this one. But it's really because we're so free and we haven't had a war over here like that besides our own civil war. And the protection that we have is because of our military and like we can reach out and touch anybody. Well, it's also in large part. Like I mean, think about it. it you know, people are. There's a lot of fighting over the Second Amendment again right now, right? Big time. But what a lot of it too is that we're the only country on Earth where if you want to drop them in with parachutes, they're going to be staring down the barrel of 400 million guns when they get here. Well, they say there's a gun behind every blade of grass. Absolutely. Yeah, and and yeah. the thing that really, and the thing that really irritates me, and this is not. I mean, tell you've you've been on a battlefield. Nobody should ever want that. Like that's the, that's the thing that we should always want to avoid at all costs. Yes. But the thing that really bothers me is when you get those people who were like, well, "What's your AR-15 going to do against an F-15?" That's not really the point. No. Right. That's not the point at all. Because when you're using F-15s and things like that, you're glassing and destroying everything. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tyrannical left. assholes don't. They'll have nothing left to rule over if they <laughs> yeah. destroy everything. Parking lot. You, you know. You need. Yeah. But you need cops. You need jackboots. You know, to keep people under a curfew. You know, you need them to confiscate their weapons, and they can't do that if everybody's got a weapon. Like that's and, and that's where people have. The, it really annoys me to hear that. Well, what are you going to do against the F-15? Well, nobody's going to do anything against an F-15 because at that point, you know, people don't really exist anymore. You're going to pray. Right. That's it. Yeah, that's all. That's all you can Everybody, do. Everybody, gun or not, and is, like is I gone. tell people all the time, the Second Amendment was put in to protect us from the higher powers that be. Right. If you really look at it, right. Mm -hmm. So when I look at it, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, as a vet. I did 39 months overseas, two different theaters. I've seen a lot over there, not more than anybody else, and I don't take that as, you know, something light. But they don't even want veterans in some cases to be able to protect themselves while they're home. Now, they didn't mind that 17-, 18-year-old young man or woman carrying around a sidearm and an AR every day because it was warranted, it was allowed. But after that veteran does a few tours and now he's come back, he's got a few things, anxiety, PTSD, and he's going to therapy for it. Now they're trying, trying to add some of that in when you go to purchase a firearm. If you've ever been hospitalized uh, for anything as far as mental uh, against your will or uh, voluntarily, I just think a lot of those things, if anybody should be able to practice the freedom, to have a firearm once they've carried one for the country mm -hmm. is those guys. Okay. I, don't think, you know, I was going to wonder what your opinion was, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. look, I totally respect that. But then, you right. know, at the same time, you have a lot of people that are going to argue on the other side. Well, you know, mental issue. Well, cause that's like the hot button word, the hot topic word right it now is it's like, Oh, if, yeah. I mean, people aren't fucked up. Oh, they got mental issues. But nobody now. talks about mental health and talks about talking about mental health and mm -hmm. talks about talking about talking about mental health more than this country and does absolutely jack all shit about it. <laughs> oh, nothing. And, nothing. Until the next massacre. But the thing is, yes. all we do is talk about it. Talk and nobody right. does anything Correct. about it. And right. that's the real driving force to me anyway. And that's yeah. where I think what you're getting at too is, yeah. remember, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, and I hate to be back in the day because we're not at that age yet, but like right. 20 years ago, it was, okay, Jesus, our, our reunion is next year, Derek. Next year. 20-year high school reunions Hey, we're year. blessed to be here, brother. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. But 20 years ago, I remember pulling in, like, it wasn't the only time it happened. I pulled in on a probably Monday morning and uh, pulled into the junior lot at the high school, and I was getting all my stuff out, backpack, baseball bag, everything else, and two guys whose names I will omit, <laughs> they're a pair of brothers. They pulled up next to me in their car, and as, we, as they pull up, the assistant principal, Rick Weaver, is walking by, Weaver. and they throw their trunk open, and there's two hunting rifles right there exposed as they're grabbing their backpacks. They've been in the woods all morning before school. 
Nobody freaked out. There were no SWAT teams called. Like, there was no panic. The assistant principal said, boys, put those away before I have to cause some problems for you. That was all that was said about it. Yeah. And they threw a blanket over him, shut the trunk, and went to <laughs> class. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's they what They didn't happened. come back and get them. You yeah. know, that I'd actually feel the safer. The principal knew they were there all day. Yes. I'd feel safer with the guys that had the 4 by 4 trucks with the gun racks. I was like, with I, a 30 30 up there. I grew I up feel, with that. I'd feel I more comfortable. Well, because they know what they're doing with them. They right. know what they're doing. And... I saw a thing. I don't know. You guys might have seen this before. Some high school back in the day, there was an active shooter. The students went and grabbed their rifles out of their uh-huh. cars, yeah. out of their trucks, and stood guard at the entrance. Yeah. They took that upon themselves yeah. to say, hey, we're going to protect our fellow brother and sister here in this, in this school. Yep. Instead of letting 30 minutes go by and we're trying to figure out how we're going to go in, yeah. what we're going to do. And I'm not being disrespectful to any first responders, anything like that. But – if you already have people that are in place, you already have things, you've implemented things in certain situations. And I really feel like a lot of this stuff is copycat stuff. These young, like people that are doing these type of things, they see that these people are almost glorified after they do such terrible things. Yep. You know? Tell me this, Derek. So, yeah. so would you be in favor of um, like, a, like a grace period before – you actually get the gun. You can purchase it. You can apply to get it. Yeah. Because a lot of times these these active these shooters or these massacres happen because somebody goes and gets a gun, goes and gets bullets, and like two or three days later they go do something. Right. Right. Versus like a grace period where like okay, if you want an assault rifle, you have to apply for it, mm. maybe take a test for it, and then all of a sudden get it twenty days later, twenty one days later, thirty days later, and, and within that time, like they but, still do it, then that's on them. When's, I, when's the last time you bought one? Uh, I bought one uh, two weeks ago. Okay. I bought one uh, eight weeks ago. Okay. They ran me through a database every time. Every time. Every, yep. every, they, every call, time. they call the ATF. Usually, if they're, if they're busy, right. take about an hour or two. Yep. He, yeah. might, he might get a response immediately. Right. Every time I call, it's a, it's a hold for some reason. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah. you're, you're not most of the time. Like, you, you do have to wait when you right. buy it. Like, I've right. never gotten out of there in less than an hour. Or two. Yeah, ne- never less than an hour. And, and I can't speak for every situation. I have been to gun shows and I've bought guns and things like that. But it's right. like you do get run through a database. And I know that some states have stricter well, a lot laws of people, than others. a lot of people, most of the time, they don't have backgrounds. Well, but, you so, know, like, the, right. the problem is, though, is that, like, the, the older I get and the more I listen to some of these officials talk, the less inclined I am to want to cooperate with them on this stuff. I watched a female politician last night, a woman in her 60s, who otherwise looked and sounded very sophisticated and you know intelligent until she put her hand on the trigger while she's holding well, no, up the- not even that she's explaining to some to a crowd of reporters you know that she's very much you know in favor of banning ar-15s and this that and the other she says it's one of the heaviest weapons that's manufactured what? that's a lie that's then a lie, she man. goes on to tell us how the 50 caliber bullet that comes out of 50 cal 50 that comes cal? out of an ar-15 destroys people and is not even meant for hunting it's just for death this woman is an elected official and was standing and made a fucking fool of herself. 50 caliber this, round at, out of... A 50 caliber round. I had to explain to my wife, and she, she, I don't think she'll mind me telling the story, but right. she didn't grow up around a lot of guns, right? I, I held up two bullets side by side. Right. There, and I said, do you know which one's an AR-15 round and which one's a 30-06 round? And she didn't have a clue. But right. it was, and I said, this is a 30-06 round. Which one looks like it hurts more, 
right? And, and, but that's such a common sense thing that you, people who are in charge of making policy in this country right. don't understand. They don't, yes. So what, I, I'm less inclined to trust these people to make decisions when it comes to the Second Amendment than I've ever been because so many of them don't have a fucking clue what they're talking about. It's very partisan, Kyle. It, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. So uh, common sense gun control, sure. If you said to me, hey, um, you know, 18 for a rifle, 21 for a handgun, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe you should be 21 to buy an AR-15 with a 30-round magazine. I, I would have that conversation with you. I don't mind that. I right? would have that conversation. <laughs> I don't that. mind that at all, but I'll tell you why. Because, yes, uh, uh, if I if I had my daily carry on me, right, right. and uh, that with the round capacity that I have, I could sustain a short fight. Now, at 18 years old, to go in and buy a semi-automatic AK-47 mm-hmm. that's shooting to the equivalent of a 308 round, right? Nobody's gonna be able to pick their head up for a while. Correct. Right? You're, right. Gonna, be, you're and, gonna be down behind whatever and you're behind you don't even for a while. You have to be a good shooter. No. Just <laughs> no. Just you don't have to. You don't have to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know. And people do not be watching these movies about how these cars are taking on all these rounds. A 308 will rip through it like cheese. I watched I'm that video you. last night on YouTube. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> I was I'm just don't, watching don't, that don't believe the hype. I'm telling you. <laughs> don't believe the hype. But I would be in favor to talk to you about that. And to answer your question, the waiting period. I feel that just like in certain other things, and people might try to jump me for this, police department, certain things, they need to dive a little bit more. You have a pretty much file and dossier with people's social media. Let's dive a little bit into it and see okay, what yeah. this guy, yeah. you know, let's see what I'm this guy's posting that. about, yeah. right? Yeah. He wants to be on the police department. Well, let's see what he does. Oh, he rock climbs and he has a golden retriever. I trust the dude, right? Sure. For the most part. Sure. Now, he has some dark stuff on his uh page he's probably uh very politically affiliated let's interview him a little bit more and find out what his motives are heck let's even bring in his peers yeah. but who, the problem with that is who gets to judge that who gets to quali- who gets to qualify right. what's crazy what's off kilter what some angsty that teenager did when he was in a mood like yeah. that, that, all i'm saying is that like the older i get the more i look at it it's like we are trusting people that are just people to make decisions. They are and, just and some of these people in government, they're not trustworthy. No. It, it, it's like some of the permit laws around the country when it comes to buying handguns. They tried to use it. North Carolina just abolished it several weeks ago. People were crying about gun control. You're giving sheriffs you know, entire autonomy to decide who and who cannot get a, a pistol permit. Right. What if that sheriff is a racist asshole and, and wants to you know, approve you know, more permits for white gun owners than black gun owners? If you walked in in that situation, right? Right. You were looking nice. You walked in full beard. Right. You look like you know how to handle a firearm. Sure. Right? Right. You may not, but I know that you do. Sure. And me and you walk in, and we're like, hey, we'd like to go get it. You know, and he's yeah. like, boys, I don't know. Or just you know? because he's a general or racist just, prick. Because he doesn't, a lot of people don't directly correlate black men or women to gun safety. Mm-hmm. Right? It's true. They, you see a family, a, a, a typical American family, ARs. Shotguns, all this kind of stuff, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." But if you see it on a different side, what are y'all about to do? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Now it ain't You're even. Right. It ain't even. This, maybe I'm just one of those vets that want my whole family to be trained. Because if I had a son, when he becomes 16, he's a force multiplier. Right. If I'm out of the state or I'm out of the house or something like that, you're gonna be trained enough to protect your mom and your sisters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yep. how my dad did with us. So I think it is. Um, it's uh association right it's a rural thing yeah yeah because we can attach what we feel a deem is safe to one side and because of what we've seen in our society we can say hey we don't know a thing about this guy but i don't know about how i feel about him having right firearms yeah yeah, yeah. 
And th- that perception. And I'm does. glad they did away with that because you shouldn't leave it up to one person no. to physically see somebody and make an on-the-spot determination if they get a permit. And, and I, I think there probably was some honest effort on some people's parts to slow down guns when you have gun violence ramping up in a city. But I, that's where I go back to. I think it's a rural versus urban divide. Too. Right. We just talked about growing up. Yeah, I know you grew up in a small town, too, or a small area. Mm-hmm. Like, when you have that kind of culture back then where it's like guys brought hunting rifles to school. Right. Like, there were dudes that undoubtedly had pistols in school, but we never had a single school shooting when I was a kid. No. Now, unfortunately, and I'll, I'll end it here because this is kind of a you know somber subject, but like, right. I I was in, I was a student at Virginia Tech in 2007. Right. That man killed 32 people with two pistols. Right. Well, I think he had three maybe. But you know we're here fighting about AR-15s, the most popular rifle in America. Right. There are 30 to 40 million AR-15s owned in America. It's not like some subsection of you know violent extremists who own all the AR-15s. Everyone. It is the most popular right. rifle in yes. America. Yes. And we're fighting publicly. We've got to ban assault weapons. Well, what is that? Because again, I, I I can put a ten round magazine in a, in a thirty out six, and I can I could knock down an elephant. Yeesh. Is that an assault rifle? Yeah. Because that that's what I can do. Right. And so yeah, you want to talk about thirty round magazines? Fine. Let, let's have a conversation, I guess. But like we're fighting over AR-15s when pistols kill far more people every year than AR-15s ever will. Far more. I, and I've never quite understood. And a lot of people argue with me on this. I've never understood when that age thing was implemented for eighteen versus twenty one. But it seems like the lesser of the two evils, right? Right. Most guys grow up, your first gun's a twenty two, mm-hmm. then your dad puts you on the 12 gauge. Yep. Then you get your hunting rifle, right? right? So it seems like as that progresses, maybe that should be the last thing you get. Probably. You know what I'm saying? Once you fully appreciate what it is to have For, one. Right? And then the pistol, obviously, I wouldn't be opposed to looking into if they said, hey, we'd feel more comfortable to have the age, uh, maybe flip them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, because it's a lot harder to conceal a long gun than it is a pistol. You ain't lying, you know? So, like, you see that coming from a mile away as opposed to somebody putting it down. My firearms instructor in my concealed carry class, he came in dressed in a hoodie, a jacket, jeans, and an oversized shirt. He had 32 firearms on him. 32? He had 32 firearms on him. There were six veterans in the class to include me. He asked the vets. He said, I'm going to give you all first draw. How many firearms do I have on me right now? I said 15. He had everything from a from a, a 32 caliber little snub nose, like <laughs> Saturday night little rocket little pearl handle. to a sawed off <laughs> double barrel shotgun that he had on a string around his shoulder that fed into his pants. Are you damn? Now it was the coolest thing I've ever seen, but it does give you some perspective on what somebody could do if they were thinking. Yeah. He went and fabricated vests that had pockets inside of it, uh, right? Inside. So he was carrying everything that he needed. He said, you can imagine if I were to get somewhere, no one else is armed, right? Because that's usually where people do bad things yes. or they suspect that no one's prepared. He's pulling guns out of his that's socks. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, it was, that's it was nuts. Insane. It was that's nuts. insane. It was nuts. Well, listen, I know what uh, – we, we, we haven't hit the hour and a half mark in a while on this podcast. We have not. We but usually, we, uh, we, were, we weren't going to. We were going to talk about aliens, and then guns happened because we got to protect ourselves from aliens. We are three men and sitting boom, in boom, yeah, here I mean, we go. Let's go. Guns and aliens kind of go together. So. <laughs> Sweaty backs. Yep. <laughs> guns. Yeah. Hey, I mean, what more do you need? I, I mean, I, we don't need any more smelling of the seat seats right. yeah. in the gym. <laughs> All right, this is the part of the podcast, though, where you say, you shamelessly self-promote before you get out of here. Yes, all right, do po- it. Podcast, hey. Instagram, all that stuff. What Let me it? get it. Listen, I want to thank you guys first for having me on the show. This is amazing. Um, you guys have something special. Keep it up. This Appreciate is, uh, it. I mean, I'm just thankful. 
Steak and Sauce Podcast, the baddest podcast in the land. Type in Steak and Sauce Podcast on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that notification button. Hit that subscribe button for us. Share it with your family and friends. We have a little bit for everyone. Some shows are a little bit more graphic than others, <laughs> but I also have my grandmother on there, so you'll enjoy that episode as well. I'm telling you, we're talented. We're blessed. Please give us a chance. You can also find me on uh, Instagram at I am Derek Nowen. You can find me under Derek Nowen Comedy. Um, any of my social media platforms, Facebook, Derek Nowen, you can see some of my tour dates. I say tour dates, but show dates, uh, social spell, media. Spell Nowen. Uh, Nowen is spelled N is in November, O W. L-I-N is in November. Now, um, so you can find me on any of those platforms. Our podcast is on all platforms, not just YouTube, but we like to funnel everybody there first. We're on Spotify, Apple, everywhere. So please give us a chance. I just appreciate being here. There you go. There you go. Kyle, take us out of here, man. I will. Thanks, man. We'll, appreciate uh, we'll it, do it again. The, the 80, the next, the wide receiver of episodes. I already next. know oh. who it is. If you don't know an 80, come on, dog. It ain't but one. Well, don't ruin it, bro. We'll do it next time. <laughs> it ain't but one. We'll do it next time. For Derek Nallen, Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Work hard. Be fucking nicer to each other.